Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Not Your African Cliché. Before we get into today's episode though, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, where we are Not Your African Cliché, as well as SoundCloud, where we are NYAC Podcast. Don't forget to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, we are Not Your African Cliché, Twitter, at NYAC Podcast, and Instagram, NYAC underscore podcast. You can also email us at NotYourAfricanCliche at gmail.com. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. Amayo, aka Mayo B, and welcome to another episode of Not Your African Cliche. I'm going to let everybody else introduce themselves before we jump into this new episode. Hello, everyone, it's Ife. Hi, everyone, this is Ife. Hey, guys, this is Onyeka, aka Yeka Om. Hey, ladies, um, so today we're going to be talking about a topic that should be dear to all our hearts and um about a country that's really close to where we're all from so we're all from nigeria and today's topic is going to be what's going on in cameroon which is right next to us and to help us and to help navigate this topic and what's going on the origin um the status we have a guest with us his name is well he's, i'm going to let him introduce himself so tabot please hey everyone thanks for having me on the podcast today um i'm very grateful to be here to share a little bit about um, my experience, you know, as a Cameroonian who is going through um, what has been affecting us for the past close to two years now. And um, I'm so excited to be here. So my name is Arita Tabot, born in Cameroon, um, lived in Nigeria for six years and currently working in Mauritius Island. So Tabot and I work together at ALU. Um, Tabot, do you want to share what you teach, how you ended up there? Okay, yes. So ALU had been on my radar for the past three years because I, I watched um, Fred Swanika's TED Talk, which, by the way, is inspiring. And I felt like I would always want to contribute, you know, to the mission and the vision of um, the organization, the ALU group as a whole, in, um, one of, in, in any way shape or shape or form possible. So maybe either at ALU in South Africa or um, ALU, and now we have ALX. And so when I was moving back from the United States, where I was working as a senior software engineer um, with a company in Virginia, I looked at the places where I could, you know, make the most impact in the education space. So two came to mind, Ashesi University in Ghana and ALU in Mauritius. And of course, you know that with the, with the island and um, the other pecs, you know, that were... Co- island vibes. <laughs> island vibes. I said to myself, nah, it has to be Mauritius. So that's how I ended up here <laughs> as a faculty member in the Department of Computer Science. And I'm currently um, taking modules in human-computer interaction, um, fundamentals of software engineering, and um, an integrated project module. Awesome. Thank you, Talbot. Um, so we're just going to jump straight into the topic. But before we go deep into it, can we just get some background information? So where exactly is Cameroon? Let's let's help people who have no idea where this country is. Yeah, Yeah. so it's quite interesting because um, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday and this person was 
arguing passionately that Cameroon is a part of ECOWAS. We are not a part of ECOWAS. Um, Cameroon really? is, yeah, yeah, funny enough, many people don't know this. Um, when you look at the African map, I mean, Cameroon is described as Africa in miniature. Sorry to my Nigerian um, friends. Because we, we embody so much of um, everything on the African continent. And we sit at, you know, that center. I mean, Nigeria, of course, looks like the trigger. But we sit at the center. And so we are actually in Central Africa. So when you look at Central Africa, yeah, you're, you're thinking about um, other countries like, you know, Chad. Cameroon that sits, we reign as like the king in that space. So like Nigeria is yeah, like Nigeria is to ECOWAS, just Cameroon is the, the same um, way to Central Africa. So just to get a better idea of how diverse Cameroon is, how many tribes are there? What languages are spoken? Um, what are the surrounding countries? Yeah, so we have um, a total of 250 plus ethnic groups. Yeah. Okay, so similar to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Similar to Nigeria, yeah, 250 plus ethnic groups and double that for the number of languages spoken. So more than 500 mm -hmm. and something languages, yeah. Because within those ethnic groups, you have at least um, two, on average, two languages are spoken within. And so there's that huge diversity, which it's been a blessing and a curse at the same time. Because mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why we've found it difficult to agree on so many things. Um, mm -hmm. especially with regards to what we're talking about today, that's the Cameroonian struggle. You see how mm -hmm. even within, um, as Northwesterners and Southwesterners, we are so diverse that um, it's been a, a, a huge struggle for us to agree on how we should proceed with, with regards to this. But I'm, I'm happy that for the first time, and everybody would share the same sentiment, we actually came together as one to face this common you know, um, struggle that we are facing. Um, mm -hmm. but that has never happened before in the history of the country. So with regards to um, the countries that we, we shared boundaries with, you have Chad, you have um, Gabon, mm -hmm. Nigeria, of course, um, you have Equatorial Guinea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Equatorial Guinea. Um, yes, yeah, those are the countries we share. So Chad, Gabon, Equatorial Guinea, Nigeria. I don't know if I missed out any, yeah, but I think that's it. I, oh, I, I, yeah, Central African Republic, yes, and Congo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what? How many how many countries do you share borders with? That feels like six. a lot. <laughs> it's actually six, okay. yes. So we can have Chad, Nigeria, Central African Republic, Congo, Gabon, Equatorial Guinea. Wow, that's, that's a lot of countries. So, I mean, just kind of going back in time or like starting from the origin of things, or should we just introduce, you know, what is going on now? Then we'll talk about how it all started. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what is going on now is what has been dubbed the Anglophone struggle. Um, some people call it the, um, the Southern Cameroonian problem. It's, it's been given different names, you know, but. Predominantly, what we call it is the Anglophone struggle, the Anglophone problem. And it's been going on for close to two years now. The, the long and short of what is going on is that, because like I shared with you, um, Cameroon is a country made up of 
um, close to 20-something million people, and out of that, 20% of that population is English-speaking, so they call them the Anglophones. The rest of the 80%, we have 10 regions. So two, two regions are English-speaking, eight regions are French-speaking. The English-speaking people feel like they have been marginalized for 58-plus years now, ever since we gained independence, and the French-speaking people don't see that problem because, I mean, everything is good. Um, the economic capital, Douala, is French-speaking. The administrative capital, Yaoundé, French-speaking. All the other regions, French-speaking. Um, out of about 38 ministers in the country, you have only one Anglophone. When you go down to, yeah, when you go down to magistrates, judges, you know, those prominent positions of power, you have maybe one or two Anglophones. Um, the prime minister, who is the head of government, basically a figurehead, is an Anglophone, but he can be fired at any day because he's appointed by the president. And um, in terms of ranking, like if you say, okay, who are the people who matter in the ladder of, you know, the hierarchical structure of the country, the prime minister is actually the fourth. As opposed to, wow. yeah, yeah, as opposed to how it was before where the, it was called the vice president and he was second in command. You have the senior president, um, and I think you, you had of the head of the Supreme Court as well before you're thinking about the Prime Minister. So he has no, he's just a figurehead, just to represent, you know, the, let, let, just make the Anglophones be happy that we have somebody actually representing at that level of power, but he doesn't have any influence whatsoever. He can be fired any day the President decides to fire him and nothing is going to be done about it. So this has gone on for a very long time. We write um, the national exams to get into schools like the administrative school, the school of engineering, all the exams are written in French. Wow. The papers are yeah, printed in French, communiques in French. It's a setup. And, and I myself experienced that in 2010 when I graduated from uni. I was about to go to, it's the best engineering school in Cameroon and it's very competitive to get in. I prepared for that exam. I knew that yeah, my math physics skills were good. Only for me to get into the exam hall and I saw the paper in French. No. Oh my God, you didn't know that it was going to be in French. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know. I knew from there and um, where about 3,000 or something people writing um, for 100 spots. So I knew Tabot had failed. <laughs> Nobody needed to tell me. Like, I didn't need um, Einstein's brain to know that, yes, you, you, you had lost it there. And that was it. And so they I walked do not out communicate the hall. it. Like, they don't communicate nope. oh, like this exam is in French. It's just so surprise, open for a surprise, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, it's open for a surprise. That's it. So we have had that. That has been going on for a very long time now. And um, people were like, you know what? Enough is enough. And that's how we found ourselves in the situation where we are today. Um, we have refugees running into neighboring countries. People are being killed. My elder sister's um, husband's cousin was killed in, 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 in her home. Yeah, in her home. Oh. The military guys walked in shot her, you know, at close range and burned down the house. Yeah, and wow. this is, I miss so many other stories as we'll delve into as time unfolds in the course of the conversation today. Wow. Okay. I'm so sorry for oh, yeah. so, so, so kind of like going back, you know, I, um, Cameroon gained independence the same year as Nigeria, right? So 1916. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think from what I can recall, um, so Cameroon was colonized by both the French and, or just the French? So both the French and the British, but 
the backstory is the Germans. The German. Yeah, originally yeah. It was the Germans. Yeah. Yes, in 18. I'm telling you, can you see? You can you just can see how we. I mean, like you know, African countries as a, as African countries, we move hands as if they're playing with dice. Mm. You know, like yeah. just just moving us around. You know, from one to another, and basically that's how we found ourselves here. So in 1884. The first Germans arrived, you know, at the border um, on the, the shores of Lake Victoria. Um, they came in as missionaries. You know, this guy called Alfred Seca. Um, when he came in, they found, them, found a way to establish themselves. You know, of course, they brought Bibles, they brought um, other things and started connecting with the local people. And um, oh, so, so what happened was over time, they were able to win the hearts of the locals. And they were given as a possession the Lake Victoria, which now became the conduit through which they brought the other people in. You know, since they controlled the rivers, they were able now to bring in more Germans. And before we knew it, they are taking over the place. So wow. Cameroon was officially colonized by the Germans, and we were a part of their, the territories, you know, that they, they had colonized. Up until the end of the First World War, when Germ Germany lost, and the French and the British then decided to invade all the territories that were under their trusteeship. And so when they invaded Cameroon then, there was uh, the meeting that held called the League of Nations, where basically, I mean, a group of people sat down and, you know, they, they called that the Partition of Africa, where they looked at the African map and they said, okay, who is going to take what? You know, mm. who is going to take what? And so, so they said, okay, the French and the British, you're going to take Cameroon, but you're going to split it. Um, part of it is going to go to the British, part of it is going to go to the French. The majority of it was good, good, um, is going to go to the French. And so the, French, the, the British held 20%, which is now what we know as the British, or, or then was called the British Southern Cameroons. And mm -hmm. what the French held was called La République du Cameroon, which means the Republic of Cameroon. Um, in Southern Cameroons, you had the Northwest region, the Southwest region, and the North part of Cameroon, which is very close to Nigeria, so um, mm -hmm. close to, um, what's this place, where Atiku's university is, Yola. Yeah. Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. so that's um, that part. And then the other part, Ngandere, um, Yaoundé, Douala, was owned, um, mm -hmm. basically territories of the French. So over time, um, the, with the United Nations coming in, so the League of Nations was dissolved, I think, in 1942, and then the United um, nations was established and they decided that you know what it's time for you guys when so basically when um, Nigeria gained independence they said okay it's time for you guys to let go of you know these territories let the people be able to self-govern to self-determine and um, do what they have to do by themselves so but you know train them and let them take care of things establish structures and let them run their own things mm -hmm. and so on the 1st of October 1960 we actually gained independence but that was La Republique du Cameroon. So again, independence, we now had a president called Amadou Ahijo, who is of late today. Then the British Southern Cameroons, because the British felt like they were not financially and economically viable to stand as an independent nation or state. Who gave they them said, the okay, right we're to going make to that decision? Who, who gave, exactly. Like, how did they know that? <laughs> I know, right? Like, in terms of who gave them the right to do that, they said, well, we don't feel like you guys will be able to stand by yourselves. And yeah. so they gave us two options in the plebiscite. 
that was um, 11th of February, 1961. You know, so um, these guys were an independent nation now, the, the Republic of Cameroon, because of the population size and the resources and everything they had. So they had a president, everything was going on well. We had a premier under British um, rule um, in the person of Endeli, and so they said, we don't think you guys will be able to because of the, um, you mean you're basically how many people um, you will not be able to stand as an independent nation state. So why don't you two options on the table, either unite with Nigeria or unite with La Republic Cameroon. So those are the two options we were given. The other option that people actually wanted, which was independence, was taken off the table. It was rejected by, it was opposed by um, the then representative of the British government to, um, you know, the British Southern Cameroons. So he opposed it at the United Nations and he said, no, that's not going to work. We should give them two options. They either join, you know, um, La Republic du Cameroon or Nigeria. So faced with those two options, they decided that, okay, um, let's have a meeting. Because then, as I mean, now again, don't take my word for it, but history says that the British Southern Cameroonians were a little bit worried of joining Nigeria because of the way they were treated by the Igbos. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were roughly treated, treated in trade. Um, the Igbos the, the always had an edge over them. And so they said, if we join the Nigerians, we, if we join Nigeria, we're actually going to be, you know, like marginalized and we're not going to get anything out of it. So they said, why don't we join what we thought were our brothers, mm. you know? So it would be easier to join them and then, you know, we'd be able to stay as federal states. So that was, so fast forward to um, October 1st, it was now declared that we are now, we have been united and it was called um, the Federal Republic of Cameroon. So just like I had the Federal Republic of Nigeria, it was now called the Federal Republic of Cameroon and um, we're supposed to be operating as one entity. But then mm -hmm. it was supposed to be based on equality. Um, people were supposed to have access to the same resources. Nobody was going to be lording anything over the other. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So from then, a couple of things happened. We had two stars on the flag. Aijo took off the, the star which represented the British Southern Cameroons. He changed the name back from Federal Republic of Cameroon to La Republic du Cameroon, which is what we have wow. today. Yeah, so from there, they started rolling back everything that they had decided. And since they had the control of the military, um, they were in the, in, in the place to do all of that, they then rolled back everything and, you know, basically French became the predominant language. So the English people had to now learn French while the French don't care about learning English. And that's the situation in Cameroon right now. They see it as, oh, vous les anglo. That's what they say, vous les anglo, la. Vous les anglo, la. You, you these anglophones, you know, they see us as mm -hmm. um, a hindrance or a, a, just there to bother them. Um, mm -hmm. So we had to learn French in order to get you know, access to the scholarships and opportunities that the French had by virtue of the fact that they spoke the French language to jobs, um, to every other thing that they didn't care about learning, you know, the language. And so over time, one year, two years, three years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, the culture of the Southern Cameroons have been eroded. Okay, so, so Tabo, mm. I have a question. So this has been going on like, there have been, there's been this underlying um, 
I guess, friction or and frustration, kind of like what you're explaining now for the past 50 years, right? Yeah, so fi- yeah. 50 plus years. Mm-hmm. So what was the straw that broke the camel's back? So like, what was it that happened? Was it two years ago that, you know, initiated? Like, what, what was the, like, the final straw, I guess, that made people, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good question. Thanks for asking that. So the final straw that broke the camel's back was when um, the magistrate, so we have three trade unions, and these three trade unions come together to form a consortium. You have the Lawyers Association in the whole of Cameroon, you have the Teachers mm-hmm. Association, and you have the, transpo- the, the, the Association of Transporters. So the taxi drivers, the lorry drivers, you know, everything in between. So those three trade unions came together to form a consortium to say, you know what, um, these things have been going on for a very long time, and we think that it's high time, you know, we come back to the drawing table to revisit some of these things and, you know, let's have a dialogue about it. And so they sent a couple of letters to the capital. Um, these letters were ignored. And so finally the consortium came together and said, okay, transport, we're shutting down. Teachers, don't go to school. So the taxi drivers went on strike, the teachers and the lawyers. And they took to the streets for a peaceful protest. You know how that ended, of course. They sent the military, they beat them up. It's never a peaceful protest. It's never a peaceful protest. So they beat the lawyers up. And I mean, lawyers are very respected everywhere in the world. But if you can beat a lawyer, take their wigs off, put it in the mud, and, you know, rub, rope, like you, you, you get them to roll around in dirty water, then you know that there's no, that if they can do that to lawyers, who would they not do it to? You know, so hmm. that didn't go well. That happened in 2016, in around November of 2016. The leaders of the consortium were arrested and put in jail. And we still have people from then who are still in jail right now. The leaders of the consortium. Wow. They're still in jail. A couple of them were released later on, like um, Agwabala, who is now trying to advocate and reaching out to Canada and the US to see what they can do about it. But a good number of the people who were arrested then are still in jail right now. And when that happened, the students said, you know what, we are going to join the protest as well. So the students of the University of Boya took to the streets to, of course, that didn't, go, that didn't end well. There are videos online of students being beaten, being shot, girls were raped, and so much carnage, you know, took place. So from then on till now, it's been one thing or another, because the government has refused to acknowledge that there's a crisis going on in the country. And so mm-hmm. this led people to say, you know what, we can't um, rely on Red Cross Amnesty International to keep on condemning and we see no actions. So the boys right. now took to the streets and they also took arms. And so now there's been crossfire between what we call the Ambazonian Defense Forces that was established to protect, you know, the, these territories and the military um, sent by President Pobia himself. So there's been that crossfire. People are they're killing each, killing people on both sides, but it's more of civilians who are uh, um, taking the hit. So, Tabo, really quickly, can you explain um, what Ambazonia is? Okay, so um, the name Ambazonia or Ambalan, as they call it, um, was derived from the what we call the Wuri the River Wuri in Cameroon. So it was the name that was given to that river that flows within the country by um, this guy. Uh, one of, one of the, the, early, the early visitors 
to uh, he, Alfred Seca. He established this. Um, it's a very nice um, high school in Cameroon. You know, the, the, it's a, it's a, it's an all girls um, college, and it has produced very prominent ladies. You know, who have held positions of um, influence in the country as well as um, doing very great things out there. His name was Alfred Seca. Mm. So when he came in, like I told you, they gave them that river. He was a German. They gave them control of that river, and so he named it um, River Ambazonia. You know, it was called later named Lake Victoria, like River, um, river Victoria, but he called it River Ambazonia, and so they call it the Ambas Bay, and so that was what led to the name Ambazonia or Ambas Bay um, or Ambalan, as they call it. Yeah, so it was Africa who actually named it that, but it's popularly okay. well known as um, Lake Victoria or um, Victoria. Because of the Queen of Victoria of England. That's the southern. That's southern Cameroon, right? Yes. Like the region. Okay. Yeah, the region. Mm -hmm. And the, so there, there've been what's it called? There's like so the southern Cameroonians are trying to separate from La Republic. Yes. Uh, what's it called? The Republic. Yeah, of La Republic of uh, La Republic of Cameroon. Because they realize that I mean the the union is not working. So even mm -hmm. even even putting on the table the option of um, let's go back to a federation is not going to work because yeah. that didn't work in the first place. So what's the guarantee that's going to work now? So yeah. the people said, you know what, let's succeed. Let's let, it's over. Mm -hmm. let's, let's cut this relationship up. You go your way, we go our way. We have oil in our own section in the southern Cameroon. Mm -hmm. um, even though petrol is, yeah, petrol is more expensive in our own region than it is in the French-speaking regions. So well, like, then what's the point? We don't have roads because they have refused to tie our roads. Um, mm. The roads are still so messy and a lot of accidents. People are dying on those roads. So they said, you know what, let's, mm. let's cut this up. And so boys have now been trained. Um, they are now picking guns. And yeah, it's been an all-out war right now. So we're actually on the cusp of a civil war if care is not taken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious about is prior to the invasion of the colonizers, how how did people in these different areas live? What do we do? We have any? I don't know. Uh, not recollection, but do we have any evidence of how people interacted with themselves prior to being called northern or you know southern? Okay, yeah. So before the colonizers came. Um, they, they actually lived as, you know, single units, you know, ruled by chiefs. Okay. Yeah, so they were chiefs, and then um, the chiefs had their own, you know, council of elders, um, and they governed them in, well, and, and they led their people, so they led their people in the different, so they, you had the Dwala chiefs, you had the Manfe chiefs from where I'm from, um, you had, so you had chiefs in the different regions, and then they took care of what happened in their various regions, and people were living very well. Like the people live very well, um, mm -hmm. took care of themselves. They had their palm wine and all of that, which, by the way, I learned was one of the... Cause we, had different, we actually had different revolutions within when the colonizers came. But, of course, they had guns and everything, so they, uh, mm -hmm. they overpowered our people. Yeah, but they said, I remember one of the reasons why our own people fought um, for the resistance, for the Manfe resistance, like when I read in history, was because they came and they took the, the palm oil, the palm wine, and those, those, those natural resources that we had in the, in, the, in the land. And so the chiefs were like, no, this is not going to happen. So they stood up to fight against the colonizers. And of course, it didn't end well. And so the chiefs were mm. taken out and they then put other people who, you know, um, like 
an uncle, uncle Tom's, you know, basically, yeah, who, who, who were able to suck up to what they wanted them to do. Yeah, and that was the beginning of, yeah, the, the breakdown. Wait, so we're going back to something that you said before. You said that there is, so there's oil found in southern Cameroon. Yeah, actually, in Limbe. It's more expensive there. Uh huh. Because that oil, the the the, the oil. So we have an oil refinery um, in in Limbe, but of course that is so the the process within that it goes through is it actually leaves Cameroon, and then they bring the the produce like everything in in its refined form back to us. So the refinery is basically just yeah, it's it's not doing anything. We just get the refined products back to us. So fuel prices are very high, and every other thing, you know, gas and all whatnot. But it's higher in our regions than in the French-speaking region. Yeah, they have constant supply of power. For example, we don't have. <laughs> okay. So this is this is where I'm really struggling. Yika, oh by the way, this is where I'm really struggling. Is that you were a group of people who had figured out a way of life that was working mm-hmm. for you. And then you had this invasion by colonizers who split you into whatever it is that they chose to split you in. Yeah. And then you got your independence and mm-hmm. then started wielding your power. It was like you took on the role of the colonizer. You took on that power yeah. and are now using it to suppress people who you once used to coexist with and it was mm-hmm. fine. Exactly. And so I just don't understand sometimes. So then what was the point of getting independence? Because at the end of the day, you're basically putting other people in the same situation that they were in. Like, yeah. So are you really independent? Yeah. I, I yeah. And I think yeah. this is if I think like remember our last episode where we talked about yep, exactly. intentionality and mm-hmm. you know post colonization. What 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 level of intentionality was was put into creating a an identity mm-hmm. post colonization? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as Tabot was saying when the the um, first Cameroonian, the Republic du Cameroon president, like he was being very crafty and shady, whether it was intentional or not. Maybe mm-hmm. he just didn't want to like put in the work of okay, now we're two different factions trying to come mm-hmm. together to form a whole. Yeah. How do we do that mm-hmm. in a way that everyone is happy or everyone mm-hmm. is yeah. you know we live amicably? Mm-hmm. Like I I don't think there was a lot of like forethought and just like thinking about the future. Yeah. When yeah. it came to that, and unfortunately, it's it's come back to to bite us in the ass. And I just keep thinking about like these fucking colonizers that <laughs> split us into arbitrary, like you know, drew arbitrary yeah. lines on the map that are affecting mm-hmm. us up to this day. In mm-hmm. one of the readings, um, the popular reading, the the, mm-hmm. the on the the one of the refugees in. Mm-hmm. One of the Cameroonian refugees in Nigeria in Cross River was talking about how oh like it kind of feels like home because her native language is similar yeah. or the same oh, yeah. as some of mm-hmm. the native languages in Cross River. So like mm-hmm. we were essentially like all of the you know they just drew lines in the middle of of people's communities yeah. that yes. fractured them and just mm-hmm. and it's it's so wild. Yeah, uh, and just to add to what you're saying, right? Um, do you know because I'm I'm from Manfe. My mom's name is Ekpomang. Mm. Yeah, my mom's name is Ekpomang. So when I listened, when I li- when I heard the name Ekpomang, I started thinking to myself that, but where did that name come from? Because that name is yeah. mm-hmm. a Nigerian name from Cross River State. So yes. it really tells you, like you're saying, that mm-hmm. is these lines that they drew, and again, yeah. the 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 ethnic people 
um, in Nigeria actually speak Shout the same out, language. Oh yeah, they, they speak the same language um, as we do. So I've mm. go, I, I've gone to Cross River State and I heard them speaking the same language as the um, um, dialect as we do in Cameroon, and it is no wow. difference. Yeah, the same. I can hear them clearly. They have our names mm. like Bisong. I, I heard Bisong. I, I asked I asked the guy Bisong, are you are you from Cameroon? I said no, it's from Nigeria, and it was really strange yeah. for me. So. To tell you that, you know, I mean, the colonizers really did a lot of damage. Like, it's, it's very frustrating, honestly, when you think about it. It's like, like, like what you found, Yika, who said, just like, come, you come into a place and you just start scattering and dividing and yeah. not mm. knowing the long-term effects that this is going to have. Like, these people were living peacefully. They yeah. did not ask for you to come. They did not invite you. I mean, yeah. like, obviously, we're complaining in vain now because these things have happened and, you know, we can't change oh, yeah. it. But it's just like when you think about it, it's like, wow. Yeah, I heard. Like, they really just changed the path of, like... Completely. Mm-hmm. They, they just messed with, you know... <sighs> and are now taking such a backseat approach mm-hmm. to, like, our countries and have these perceptions. Like, you caught... Like, <laughs> you... This is your fault. <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure France now has like no con- they're not even bothered about what's going on in Canada. Oh yeah. And fucking Macron, Germany too. Macron doesn't care. Yeah, Germany nobody cares. Nobody cares Germany about probably anything that's going on. Recognize that they ever colonize. It's like, "Oh, really? Bye." Yeah, exactly. You know, we Bye. should have like free access. Like forget all this visa business. Give all of us anyways. If anyone you had a comment. So it almost feels like this episode or this conversation is in direct response to our previous episode, which the topic mm-hmm. was the remnants of like colonialism. And this feels like just like a prime example of what was left over from colonization. Mm-hmm. And there's a great opinion piece in the New York Times by Chimamanda. Mm-hmm. And she's she's writing in response to what's going on in Cameroon and she mm-hmm. talked about how this isn't really about language and mm. how it's about a disregard of you know minority population which mm-hmm. unfortunately also happens in other countries maybe mm. not to this extent but um and she also like mentioned like this is a legacy of colonialism because it's like we've talked in the conversation it's like how will you put two very distinctly uneven I'm <laughs> telling you. fractures together mm-hmm. and then hope and cross your fingers that the bigger francophone you know faction doesn't overwhelm the smaller and mm-hmm. obviously like when people have power what what do they do with that power people are corrupted yeah. so yeah. Yeah, you know power, the francophones they're comfortable they're not you know it doesn't have aff- what's going on doesn't affect them so yeah. it's you know unfortunately they're not motivated to solve the crisis that's going on and um taba when you mentioned the industry that's in limbe it just reminded me this cameroonian author mm-hmm. uh mbolo umbue she wrote oh, yeah. in the guardian mm-hmm. she's from limbe yeah and she mentioned that there's a she mentioned the refinery and how it's like it was largely run by francophones and yeah. few people from the community could even get jobs, jobs there so it's not even it's it's not even about it's like language but it's also the majority doing its best to like suppress and mm-hmm. eliminate the minority sure. um and it's i yeah it's yeah it's just 
its mind is just like very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, about sorry, yeah, Kyle over here. Quick question for you: Do you um ever encounter? Well, I don't know how old they would be now, but older um Anglophone-speaking Cameroonians who feel like maybe um that things might have been different if they actually went to Nigeria versus staying in Cameroon. Mm. Do those conversations oh. ever come up? Yeah, they do come up. And that's the, that's the, that's the, exact, that's the same feeling um, everybody has. There is nobody mm. who would say that we have gotten anything good out of uh, union with um, La Republic of Cameroon. Nobody. Mm. Maybe except the people who were appointed as prime ministers or a couple of people who have become mm. ministers in the country. But apart from that, there's nobody who you meet um, and I mean, especially from the older generation, like my dad's age, uh, my mom, mm. and uncles, and everybody who say that, yeah, any, anything good has come out of it. Like, they are all for the fact that if we had joined Nigeria, it would have been much better for us than wow. what we are in right now. Yeah, they all feel the same way. So I, I'm trying to understand how the people in Anglophone Cameroon are reacting to what's going on. Are there people who don't even acknowledge that this is actually things i'm trying to understand how people are like like living peacefully when you know not so far away people are being killed mm-hmm. you know people do you are mean francophone you said anglophone yeah sorry? so you're talking francophone oh sorry 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 so, sorry sorry my bad so people who live in the fra- in francophone cameroon what's the um and like what the atmosphere is like i guess living there knowing that this is happening in anglophone cameroon are the, do you, is there this sense that people don't oops, my mic just fell yeah so I'll tell you is there the sense that, that people don't even care or yeah that is it because it's, it's business as usual in the francophone sessions hmm. yeah so like people are busy they wake up on Monday they go about the activities Tuesday same like as if nothing is even happening and you even wow. have people who go on national TV to condemn the anglophones for wanting to secede from La Republic Cameroon they call us terrorists so they have been branded as terrorists. Oh, yeah, they call all sorts of names. Um, Les Anglofou. That's what they call us. So Anglofou means Anglo fools. You know, wow. fool in French is fools. Yeah. So instead of Anglophones, they are not turned around like Les Anglofou, meaning um, English fools. Wow. Um, I, I would say that maybe the only people who would at least understand where we are coming from is those people from the Francophone section who send their kids to study in the Anglophone section. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like so, like Seca Baptist College I talked about earlier, which was established in um, Lake Victoria. There are people who live Lake Victoria like, or River Victoria. Say that again. I, I keep calling Lake Victoria River Victoria. Yes. Um, okay, because Lake Victoria is in East Africa, so I it's was in East like, Africa. I got a little confused. Yeah, yes, it's River Victoria. So it's a very good school, top notch, and so there are francophones mm-hmm. who actually send their kids there. They said, and that's and that's another thing about the Anglophone culture. You cannot come into that culture and be the same. When you see a Francophone who has interacted with the Anglophone culture, they are not the same. Even at the African Leadership University, I can guarantee you that, like where I am right now in Mauritius, when I see a Francophone who studied in the Anglophone culture, spent some time with Anglophones, they are not like a typical Francophone Cameroonian. Because the, the, you, the can t- you say that? more? What does that mean? Okay, so because there's a, there's a mindset that the Francophones have in terms of they think they are better than us. That's mm-hmm. how they see themselves. Yeah, there's this thing about tu me connais, or tu me connais means do you, do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, let's, say, let's say, you know how it is, um, Lagos traffic and 
Abuja traffic or you bump into somebody's car, maybe you hit somebody from... Mm -hmm. The first thing they'll ask you is, do you know who I am? Or do you know who my father yeah. is? Or do you know who I'm connected yeah. to? That's the, the, the approach mm -hmm. of the typical Francophone um, Cameroonian. As opposed to the Anglophones who are calm in their way, you know, they'll be polite. The typical Francophone is not a polite person. Yeah, if it's greeting you, it's very rough. If there's, I mean, it's always, you know, they're always on edge, ready to, to fight and all of that. And so hmm. we are two distinct people with different cultures, different traditions and everything. And that's why that union would never have worked to begin with. Never, ever. Hmm. Question. I think, so there are no ethnic groups that span both Francophone and Anglophone Cameroon. You know no. how, like, you know... Mm -hmm. It's a good question. Yeah. You know how, as we were talking about, like, some ethnic groups in Cross River span across the border into Cameroon and where you were talking about how you could understand the language and it was the same language. There exactly. Are no such, there are no such groups that span both regions of Cameroon. Yeah, not at all. None. Really? None. none. I'm telling you, none. Yeah. Hmm. at all that's none, none that span across yeah so it's wild yeah. that, and that's why we are like completely i'm telling you different people if you interact with an anglophone interact with a francophone you know the difference so that's why like right now they don't care like that's and that's their nature right? they are carefree people anglophones who come mm -hmm. together in communities to take care of each other if somebody's suffering you know if you see somebody suffering or whatever they'll put together resources to take care of that person and make sure the person you know stands on their feet the francophones don't care mm. Yeah, everybody's it's individualistic. Everybody to himself, you know. Like I'm so, about, I'm all wary. About me. I'm I I understand like the frustration and the where, yeah, and the anger mm -hmm. and everything. But I'm a little wary about like saying all francophone Cameroonians mm -hmm. are. Yeah, like that's. Oh no! That, I, I wouldn't say all. In the best position to like speak about that. I've never been to Cameroon. Mm -hmm. I've never interacted with a francophone Cameroonian, so I can't. Yeah say whatever but i'm just like i'm wary of the language of other othering people and like mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know yeah. what i'm saying no i get you so yeah. let me let me let me rephrase it I'm, I'm not going to say all francophones are that way but i'm saying that if you take from a sample space you know the typical francophone from that space has those characteristics because even, 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 so I, I was in I'm Washington, D.C. for about two years, and I, inter I interacted with a good number of Francophones as well. They are Francophone friends of mine. You still see the sense of entitlement. You still see the sense of, I think I'm mm. better than you. You know, even mm. out there, like even out there, you still see that. You still see them speaking to you in French and wanting you to speak good French, <laughs> but they don't know how to speak English. Like, they don't know how to do it, and, and they don't care to learn. But they want you, they'll, so they'll, they'll speak to you in French and want you to respond in French. And if your, 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 your tenses are not right, you know, if you don't get <laughs> yeah. your sentences well, they'll laugh at you. Um, you know, so, wow. yeah, so, I, I, of course, I mean, of course, there, there's always the exception to every rule. There'll still be some nice mm -hmm. francophones. My dad has some very amazing francophone friends of his. One became a, a, a minister mm -hmm. in the country. Um, he's from the north of Cameroon, and they are still very much in touch. He's his best friend. So there are still people like that within who are humble, who are very nice. But I'm talking about, like, if you take overall on average, a sample space, if you pick out the typical Francophone, they have that, I think I'm better than you uh, mindset. Mm -hmm. And I, I will speak French to you. You should respond in 
at least an appreciable level like a good French, but I'm not going to speak to you in English. I'm not going to try because I don't know in how to speak English and I don't care to know. I was going to go back just to touch on the government's response to what is going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, one of the videos that we shared or I shared with you guys was we're talking about how, you know, I, I think it's gotten to a point where the government doesn't even recognize some of the military people who are invading some of the households oh, in yeah. southern Cameroon. Whether that is true or not, I don't know. Um, it just sounds it sounds very suspect to me and it's also very convenient for the um, mm-hmm. for people to be like, Oh, you know, we don't know who these people are. They are just they are mm-hmm. doing their own thing, even if they have been sent or directed by people in government, right? Um so I mean so now it's like, you know, Southern Cameroon versus we don't even know who or should, do we still say like oh it's southern cameroon versus you know the government of um what's it called francophone La Republic. yeah La Republic Republic cameroon. Cameroon. yeah we'll still we'll still see, see it as um the people of southern cameroons against um the military forces of La Republic cameroon um in terms of is the president aware or maybe are they, are they the ones ordering the killings we may not be able to tell because you know how soldiers go rogue when they get into these places. So they get mm-hmm. there and then they see beautiful women. The next thing that comes into their head is rape the women. You know, um, about the killings, I think the government is very well aware. But of course, they always try to downplay the numbers. Oh, maybe just two people mm-hmm. died. These people are exaggerating. It's, it, not, maybe it's 20 <laughs> people were killed. Houses were burned. They say no. Um, the government, the, the soldiers are not burning houses. It's the Ambazonian Defense Forces. So it's this person pointing fingers against this person, and mm. that person pointing fingers against this person. And it never gets anywhere. But I think that yeah. they are very well aware of what's going on. They know. They know that houses are being burned. They know that people are sleeping in the bushes. They know that people are struggling to cross over to the neighboring countries. Um, but yeah, nah, they don't. They don't. They don't seem to want to do anything about it. I don't know where I read, whether it was in one of those articles or somewhere else where I heard that even some people who escaped to Nigeria were brought back to Cameroon, were taken back mm. to Cameroon yeah. um, forcefully, obviously. And I'm just thinking, you know, where does Nigeria really stand in this whole thing? Like, these are our neighbors, like, yeah. directly, mm-hmm. like, and they are neighbors across the um, eastern part of Nigeria. So it's not as if it's a mm-hmm. tiny corner, literally from the north to the southeast yeah. is Cameroon, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm trying to think, you know, like, so what exactly is, our, like, where do we stand? Are we for um, yeah. southern Cameroon? Um, do we have allies within La Republique du Cameroon? And, you know, are we, mm-hmm. colli- um, coll- what's it called, colliding or whatever with them? <laughs> And it's also strange to me because I feel like there are also many Nigerians who have no idea that this is going on. Oh, right? yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, just, it's not something that I, I, I don't know why, but I don't know. It's just very strange to me. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, like, do we, like, where do we stand? And, you know, are we, are we just too focused on Buhari and, you know, 2019 elections and failing to see what our, our neighbors mm. are going mm-hmm. through? No, I don't know. Yeah, you know this thing you're saying? Really a question. It's just more of a... Yeah, but it also raises more questions again, like to speak on that, because um, the person who was elected as the interim president of Ambazonia, mm-hmm. um, in the person of um, His Excellency Seseku Ayok um, Tabet Julius, a very well-accomplished, distinguished um, citizen of the country, 
He was working at the American University of Nigeria in Yola. Amazing. Like, this guy is a brain. He studied in the U.S., came back. Um, Atiku hired him. So he was working there, like, in, in charge of IT and everything. Um, smart guy. He's right now in jail, as we speak. But how did it happen to actually, like, to, you know, to paint a picture, Amaya, of what you, what you were trying to say? They were in Nigeria having a meeting. They were in Nigeria. So this is another country with its own rules and laws and mm -hmm. everything. And the Cameroonian forces who sit at the embassies in Cameroon went over there, abducted these guys, took them. We don't know how, but they crossed the border into, from Nigeria into Cameroon. So they took them out of Nigeria and brought them to Cameroon. How did that happen under Nigeria's watch if Nigeria was not involved? Wow. Mm. And, and I'm talking about, this is about 15 people. Prominent professors, 15 doctors. 15 Yeah, like 15 <laughs> level-headed, um, well-read, accomplished individuals. They were having a meeting in Nigeria. These people were abducted. I don't know how they transported them from Abuja, because they had a meeting in Abuja. In back to Cameroon. It's not even like... It was not mm, even that. Uh, that's the thing I'm saying. Not even in Yola. It was like Abuja. Because of the border. It's in the center. Hey, in hey. the center. So how can that happen if Nigeria is now aware? But when they asked Osibanjo, he said that they didn't know about it. They said they didn't know that Nigeria was not aware that this happened. Okay. I have thoughts. I, just, I have so many feelings. I yes. have so many feelings. You go over here. And I, I think this is something that's very, very important to address now, especially in Nigeria's electoral climate that we're in what i'm trying to figure out is instead of us sitting down here trying to figure out when buhari actually got his wayak results or whatever the heck it is i think these are the kind of conversations that you want to know from your leaders like what are your policies when it comes to other people like like what are the questions that we're asking what are the things that we're demanding from uh from people in power where things like this don't happen i mean if this can happen where 15 people are abducted and you claim that you don't know then when we think about fundamentally things like boko haram or like like what is the assurance that we're safe as a people if we're that easy to infiltrate like i'm, I'm just really I don't know. I think we're focused so much on the wrong things during this election period that things like this should force us to kind of refocus and actually ask the right questions and vote based off of, you know, these type of things that are going on. Because this blows my mind. Yeah. That 15 people in Abuja, in Abuja places, places. Like you guys are saying, it's it's ridiculous. Yes. And Amaya, to your point about like what a lot of Nigerians are not knowing, I think, Lord help me, I feel like in Nigeria, we do this thing where it's like, if it doesn't immediately affect us, it doesn't concern us. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, so if something something's happening in the north and I live in Lagos, well, that's unfortunate. We've become so desensitized to Boko Haram yes. killings and bombings yeah. that it's like, if it doesn't affect me right now, then, you know, I'll be praying. I'll be praying for them at church. I'll be, you know, maybe I'll post about it on Twitter or repost something. But if it does not immediately affect me, then I can't I can't be involved. And I think the way that our new system sometimes times are even set up you know promotes this type of behavior and, and i think it's very important that we get to a place where we're like seeking out you know information because i don't know that these kind of things will be handed to us if we just sat down and waited you know hmm. i mean i it's yeah that sounds like the ideal and right thing to do <laughs> um <laughs> it's just i guess people get when if how do i even say this nothing is working 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like no 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 That's and i'm saying like say you yeah. know you're saying like when people are sitting and you know things are happening in the north i guess people are also desensitized to what's even going like even in lagos too mm-hmm. like even though they're safe yeah. i mean was it not lagos where tanka will just oh, be yeah. on the road it will fall and then it will just catch fire yeah i think people are just yeah. so used to like nothing is working and so then there's no internal motivation to now start fighting for what's going on Other in the people. north mm-hmm. not that i'm saying it's it's good or yeah. you know i'm just trying i guess also when having this conversation like contextualizing mm-hmm. the kind of lives people are le- le- like leading mm-hmm. um but isn't but, that where change comes about isn't that the motivation for revolutions or the motivation for you know what i'm saying because i feel like i don't think what's the motivation for re- for for being in the place where it's like nothing nothing is working, so out of hopelessness mm-hmm. comes this need for something better. Yeah. But sorry, yes, I had a question for you, Tabitha. Okay. That I almost forgot. Wanifa was asking you about um, ethnic groups that kind of traverse both the French speaking and English speaking Cameroon. Yeah. I was actually wondering like some other things that could potentially link um, those two places, and I think one big place would be religion. Oh, I don't yeah. know how religious Cameroonians are. Um, but if they are religious, um, mm. and I'll speak as a Christian, like w- what are the churches in mm. French-speaking Cameroon, you know, mm. doing about the situation? Are they also silent, like white America was silent, you know? Yeah, okay, that's a very good question too. Um, in terms of religion and spirituality, I would say Cameroon is really not that religious. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're not. Uh, um the predominant so i think it's of recent that we really started having you know the pentecostal movement you know coming up strongly yeah before before that before that it was predominantly the the catholic church so like yeah majority of Cameroonians are catholic and then um you have the other so you have the catholic you have the protestants the presbyterian church and um the baptist church um it's it's in between those three. Then a very small fraction down there are now, um, you know, Pentecostal and um, what is the non-denominational ministries yeah, coming up. So the Catholic bishops have spoken. Mm-hmm. One of them was killed. Wow. That's, I'm telling you that we are running. I don't think Cameroon is a country anymore. Like we, we, we are in a jungle where anything can happen and nobody's going to do anything about it. You know, it was one of those vocal people who would say what is on his mind and everything. And they found him in his car, you know, had been strangled. Wow. He was was in his house, but nobody knows how. They found him in in his car. He had been strangled. He had killed. They said, okay, commission inquiry was going to be, you know, put up to find out what happened. That's that's today now. Nobody knows anything about it. And the other day, a member of the clergy was also shot, you know, a straight bullet. So if, yeah, the moderator of the Presbyterian Church in Cameroon, who is, I mean, like the, 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 the leader of the Presbyterian Church in Cameroon as a whole, and I think a member of the World Council of Churches and all, he has also, they have written letters, you know, they have come together and said this is not correct and everything. Um, but you have, to, you have to tread very carefully. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the, country you're, the country you're in, Nobody respects. I'm telling you, they don't respect anybody. You can be a man of, um, you know, a man of God or you know, member of the clergy. If they have to beat you or do whatever, they'll do it. 
they just send a couple of those guys who smoke whatever they smoke and they don't know you they don't know you like that and they'll do whatever they have to do to you yeah and they'll not even think twice about it so people are people are afraid to speak out people are afraid to um, voice their opinions and even the people up there the the bishops because yeah the, the bishop was killed was strangled wow yeah nothing nothing has been done about it so everybody's just trying to be very politically correct in the way they speak you know, you in your sermons, you say things in your sermons, but you know, it's, you know that kind of way. Now, I'm, I'm preaching about this, but I'm preaching from the perspective of what the Word of God says. But I'm directing it to through, through the Bible and passing it through several hoops so that it doesn't hit where it's supposed. You, you can't you can't come out readily and say that okay, this is it and this is that. It's just that people have to change their ways. We need to do this. We need to do that. But it's, yeah, you you have to coat it up. You know, honey massage it a little bit so that. Um, you are you don't you don't you don't find yourself being arrested and put in jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the place they 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 are they're, they're really just they have not really, they have not much has been done, and that's another point mm-hmm. of anger from them the people like the young boys who are now running the Ambassador Defense Forces. They said these people don't speak for us. Um, mm-hmm. They have been compromised, and so now some mm-hmm. of these people are actually being abducted now for ransoms. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So you see, it's now, it's now, it, it's now degenerated to other things. The people now who are angry that oh, it looks like your mouths have been oiled by the government. You've received mm-hmm. fat checks. You're being taken care of, and that's why you cannot speak. So we are coming for you. And so you mm-hmm. hear that they have kidnapped so this person today. And- there's infighting as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's infighting as well. They are kidnapping people on a daily basis. I spoke with my mom and dad um, earlier on today. And they were just telling me about some people who were kidnapped in their homes, you know, and taken for eight days and more in demand for a ransom. And these are people who hold... Are your folks still in Southern Cameroon? Yeah, they are still there. They are still there, unfortunately. So every day we are praying for them. Every day I call, how are things going, you know, to check up on them. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's, I mean, it's, you, you can't be at peace knowing that these things are happening yeah because at, at any point in time i mean you could be arrested and taken to jail there was a situation where my mom's car was impounded because they said that um they had taken snapshots of her car going around and giving out tracts you know for people to go out and protest and my mom was like i don't even know what you guys are talking about so they car- they did an investigation <laughs> and then they realized it wasn't her Normally, <laughs> normally, what would have happened is they don't even ask you any questions. They just put you in that truck and you're taken to mm. jail straight. I think, I don't know what happened. Maybe they saw she was an elderly woman and they were like, well, let's just, you know, be a little bit nice towards her. And so they said, okay, we'll take the car. We'll take it to the police station. Then you have to come and explain yourself and prove beyond reasonable doubt that this car was not used um, for that. So it was a very scary moment for us as a family. Because things, they could have implicated my elder brother or my younger brother who is there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could have said your children are involved, so they take the children if they cannot take the parents. Yeah, but mm-hmm. God, God helped us. Oh, thank you so much, Talbot. I feel like we could definitely keep talking about I know. This, you know, in the interest mm-hmm. of our short time limitation, <laughs> we'd have to wrap up this episode. I don't know, it feels wrong talking about like what I'm reading or, you know, watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I really don't know how to close out this episode. Um, Can I say one thing? Sorry, before we yeah, close please. it out. I find it really kind of 
mind-blowing that the identity of the colonizer's language is what is like mm. it's, 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 you know take all my snaps just take them all <laughs> it's 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 really wild to me that like that is that is kind of the crux of maybe not the crux but like it's it's such a defining characteristic mm-hmm. in, yeah in this conflict or oh, like i'm french speaking you're yeah. speaking it's yeah. it's like what yeah. mm. so true so so true because mm-hmm. it's, it's really it's really centered around that mm-hmm. wow and like it just goes back to the importance of like identity and like being intentional about how you craft your identity and what and how that can affect your future you know how we talk about you know even from uh from the early days of this podcast we had an episode about like your name and your identity and how it shapes mm. you and all of that and you know i keep coming back to coming back to that and yeah 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 that was a thought that wasn't a question per se I also want to take this opportunity to really thank you all, you know, because I think this is the first time in a long time that I've been able to express, you know, how I feel about the situation because things have been bottled up for a while. I mean, you can't really speak mm-hmm. about, you, you really can't say much because right now they also track social media. Um, mm-hmm. There was a time, so when my mom's car was impounded and they, they asked my parents to come to the police station back and forth, like it was, it was, like it was a hellish moment for us as a family. Because they had to go and they investigated and did all sorts of things. We didn't know what was going to happen because of the tensions in the country. And so I put up a Facebook post and that post went viral. You know, because I wrote certain things about the situation and, you know, I really vented my frustrations there. It went viral. People were sharing it everywhere. Um, organizations within picked it up. Some of these major organizations that are actually on the watch list right now picked it up and they reposted it. And, re- you know, it just kept on going. And before I knew it, my uncle in Nigeria called, I had received calls from everywhere. Tabot, you need to take down that post immediately. Wow. If you want to, if you have any plans of going back to, because I announced that I had about, let's say, a month to go back home before coming to Mauritius. Mm. So it was a very risky one for me. If I left the post there, probably I would have been on a blacklist because they're actually tracking social media and seeing what people are posting, and especially those in the diaspora. Because the mm-hmm. perception is that you, you, you guys who are out there are the ones um, contributing money because people are actually putting together funds, you know, to help their people back mm. um, contributing mm. to help the Ambazonian Defense Forces. You know, they are protesting even in the embassies in the U.S., in the U.K., and all these places. They are writing and petitioning, um, you know, the United Nations. So they just believe that the people out there are the ones who are actually um, creating an awareness about what is going on in the country. Especially when we had the social media ban, they shut down the internet in the in the southern Cameroon's region. For yeah, I remember that. Yes, so it was those outside who were now able to you know continue propagating the message of what was going on in there, because people could not do mm. that in inside. And so when that happened, my uncle told me to take that post immediately down. My auntie, who is a magistrate, she was driving from the capital city and she heard about it as well. She heard about my post. Mm. I don't know who told her, but she heard about the post and she said, Tabot, if you love your parents and your family, wow. that because I'm a magistrate, I'm sitting up there in the government, I know what is going on, that it is not something to, that it's not a joke. So if you love yourself, you love your family, take that post down. 
as well. So everybody, there was fire on every side. And so ever since then, I've really not been vocal as I would normally be, you know, on social media. Mm. Yeah. So I had to take that down and I deleted the post immediately. And ever since then, I was just really quiet. So I see things happening. And maybe I'll vent when I'm on the call with my dad, my mom, or maybe friends talking about this, you know, sharing my own ex- um, perspectives and opinions about it. But I've not really had um, an opportunity to, you know, speak on it for about an hour in a very long time ever since that thing happened. So it's really been like, uh, it, it, I, I'd say it's been a liberating moment for me to also just share and take out what has been bottled up for um, a long time now, like just getting off my chest and you know sharing that with the world. So we, I really want to thank you all for inviting me um, and giving me this opportunity mm. to do this today with you. Oh, you're almost welcome. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thanks for coming. I'm speaking mm, of, really like, do you want, like, how can we like are you worried about safety do you want us to like mm-hmm. kind of keep you anonymous like how how do you want us to handle this episode um my other sister when i told her i was coming on the podcast to talk about the salmon camera she was like hey, Tapo, don't go don't do it <laughs> <laughs> knowing very well what happened but you know what i mean don't keep it anonymous like put it out there yeah because i mean the comes okay. in man's life when you have to actually come face to face with reality and Mm. Yeah, I believe that this is the right thing to do. That's how I see it. Wow. Yeah, you can't you can't mm. keep on hiding under um, I don't know what you know. You have to do what has to be done. Mm. Thank yeah. you so much for coming, Tabo. Thank you. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.